The uh, theme for the afternoon uh, talk is the benefits and the uh, limits of uh, letting go. Uh, firstly, before just getting into the uh, rhythm and the theme of the talk, uh, specifically uh, here, I'd like to mention and make reference to you to an essential the- theme or feature. And what I uh, mean by that is that in the heart of the, you could say the heart of the Buddha's uh, dharmas, he was quite often asked what these teachings are, what's the uh, purpose of them, and the, probably the most regular response to that question was the resolution of suffering, the resolution of the uh, issues of problematic life and its complete resolution once and for all, that is the priority. And then out of that came from his ex- own experience there and the insights and understanding there came a formulation in the language uh, which is a reminder of the core theme uh, revolving around that. So he stated here and clearly and uh, unmistakably here that there is in this world, there is suffering. There's no statement that life is suffering, but there is suffering in this world. Then asked what brings about the uh, suffering, was asked what is suffering, and the response to that question is when human beings, often translated as attachment, human beings inflame situations and therefore an exaggeration of situations around the body, around feelings, around states of mind, around circumstances, uh, inwardly and outwardly. And sometimes that inflation is building them up putting of them uh, down, showing itself in problematic states of mind. And then there is the action activities of the self, of I and my, and sometimes just to see clearly what the I and my is identified with. And that which the self, the I and my, identifies with is vulnerable to reactivity, is vulnerable to problematic uh, uh, life, whatever it might be about. So the exploration here, it is essentially stated, suffering, not getting what I want, losing what I have, being separated from who and what I love and this inflaming of uh, situations, this world of I and my um, generating problematic life. This, he says, is suffering. So there is no statement that suffering is always, there is no statement that it's permanent, no statement that this is how it is, it can't be anything else. If life was suffering, 
there would be no way out because life is suffering but clearly our experience confirms to us regularly enough the absence of the suffering this in happiness, in joy, in love, in kindness, in generosity, in inner peace and much, much else. Then from there is suffering in life, not denying it, not retreating into some uh, lovely state, uh, whatever. He then says, looks at the causes and conditions for its arising. Therefore, it doesn't arise out of the blue. There is no God who is rewarding and punishing uh, people. There is no cosmic chance. There is no fate. It's not an accident. These are all views which we can come up with when we can't explain something. What arises, arises because the causes or a major cause and conditions are there for it to arise and the exploration, the mindfulnesses and the meditations the dialogues and communications is when there is problems issues, fears, worries, anxieties, blame and, and so forth to really give attention to that mind state that's the mindfulness a meditation practice as one example and also to give attention to change which we have spoken about and to give attention what are the causes and conditions which brought this about and that recognition and clarity of the causes and conditions that bring it about in order to change them in order to let go of them which I'll go into in a moment uh, or, or two. Do not think for one moment, just being mindful in the present moment is going to bring about the resolution of suffering. Not a chance, there's not a chance. And then the third noble truth uh, there is that there is the resolution. There is the knowing and the seeing, quoting the Buddha for a moment here, of a way of being in which suffering is largely gone and some cases a human being can say there is no suffering in one's life. Pain and the conditions of pain uh, are not viewed in the same way as suffering is, uh, is viewed. And then the fourth uh, of these using the language of noble in, we might say great truths of life they're not just the views they're not just opinions it's not just an idea that's why this strong language of truth is used here there is the truth of suffering it's not just a view and opinion can't undermine it that way there is there are causes and conditions arising, it is the truth of life it doesn't come out of the blue, it doesn't come from nowhere, it doesn't come by chance, it comes because the causes and conditions were there for it to arise and then thirdly, there is the resolution and sometimes in the <coughs> modest way 
which we have touched upon here, we know there are situations in our life which have been or are difficult for us. We've looked at those causes and conditions. We have recognized some real changes needed. We've made the, made the change. I say, wow, that suffering, that was causing me so much difficulty. Wow, it isn't any longer. So the resolution is not an unknown to us. It's not some vast metaphysic at, in a long-term future. We actually do have genuine and authentic experiences of knowing the end of suffering over something there. And then the fourth is called the way, the path. The encouragement uh, with the path, you know, in the classic language, eightfold path, and the classic language of that, in a way, is very specifically and concretely for us to remind us every area of life is worth addressing. Quite different from the yogis. The yogis said, oh, if you sat and you meditated and you meditated, you just sat in the cross-legged posture, liberation or enlightenment would come to you. Or the religious people said, if I prayed enough to God, then God would listen to my prayers and that would open up my heart and consciousness. I would be free from sin and I would be with God. And uh, the Buddha, in the exploration that uh, he took, didn't go in either of those two directions, uh, there, of the yogis or of the religious uh, uh, believers, and in, instead put the emphasis on the wisdom, on the community exploring uh, together, and also on each link in the Eightfold Path. To say that every aspect of what your life is about, what my life, our life, it really is worth exploring. And then he detailed the major ones. Our view of life, and the small and the big. What's our view of life? What's our understanding? The exploration of our intentions and the motivations, of language, of speech and communication. Uh, the exploration of livelihood, of our actions there, uh, of what's a creative effort in life, um, what's worth being mindful of, what's worth concentrating uh, on. So we look at that and say, well, this is all about my life, the richness and the fullness of it there, and therefore it's a very expansive kind of view. And so when we speak of practice, we actually hear the references to the totality of the day and not limiting it down, say, to a sitting posture or uh, to some prayers or whatever it, it might be. So these four truths of, of life, he, what he actually, the Pali actually is, the four truths of the noble ones. The four truths which are important for those who wish to live a noble or a dignified way of life. Such persons will be concerned with suffering, inwardly and outwardly, the causes for it, the resolution of it, and the way to resolve it. And it's not a priority, it's just given to people in the kind of spiritual sangha. There are huge numbers of people in all sorts of avenues and walks of life who have actually the same dedication 
when there's a, a major street accident, an airplane crash, uh, a fire, uh, a storm, etc. There are people who are really looking at suffering that came out of it. What caused this suffering to arise? What's going to resolve this? What's the way to resolve it? And I was speaking to the first pilot on, on a flight actually last year from Tel Aviv into London and we were just chatting away for a few minutes and he said he's the first officer and he was just coming back from Jerusalem for a wedding of his brother da, da, da. and I said to him it's extraordinary how few plane crashes there are and he said to me this plane whatever it was this plane which we are sitting on this model of this plane takes off or lands every two to three seconds of every day of the week just this model and I said but there are so few crashes so few accidents there and he said we are so trained with our ears as well as our eyes to listen to the slightest nuance of anything that might possibly and we are going through these tests day in and day out to ensure the safety of the passengers and of course the airline company has a big interest because it's needs the safety of the passengers for its own reputation and, and uh, so forth but the real commitment and I know from my uh, sister's eldest son who is a pilot and my uh, sister's daughter is married to a pilot so there's lots of aeroplane talk around the dinner table when I see them time to time but it's just in a way Concerned with suffering, concerned with any causes for it, the resolution of it, and the way to resolve it. So it's not just exclusive to the meditators. It's, you know, it's a, it's a genuine concern. What's significant is the application of, of, of it and the commitment of it. The Buddha is saying, let's make this the priority of life, not the pursuit of pleasure. Not a, the career, not being somebody important in status in life. Let's really make this the priority. And that is the thread that runs through the, the teachings. One aspect of this exploration uh, there is the letting go. And it's valuable and important with the exploration of uh, letting go to see the benefits, which I'll talk about first, and then the limits uh, there. Because sometimes the limits um, are neglected and not appreciated uh, enough. And what I mean by this is with, with the benefits. There are times we have certain experiences, whatever they uh, 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 may, may be. <coughs> And the experience has some impact uh, upon us. And with the impact uh, upon us, we feel and recognize how impressionable we are. We're very actually vulnerable. We're such 
We're more sensitive creatures than we're sometimes willing to admit. And this sensitivity as creatures that we have um, generates some insecurity with us. And the insecurity that may be in talking with other people, maybe the insecurity of experiences from the past, the insecurity of one's getting older, what's going to happen to me, will anybody take care of me, how will I die, whatever it might be. These are genuine life issues, they are genuine concerns which we in, in this hall and elsewhere, all around the world, would actually have. So there is, there is life going on. At times, the insecurities of life, the uncertainties of life, are really obvious, uh, obvious uh, to us. And we can feel, in the insecurities and in the un- un- uncertainties, that the past, the present and the future really can be standing out with those insecurities. So sometimes, the looking to the past, uh, there, we might say to ourselves, well, that which happened to me, I can't change. This happened to me. I was traumatized, I was brutalized, I was abused, I was forgotten, I was neglected, I was uh, unloved, I was violated, or, or, uh, or whatever it might be, heart, mind and, and body. We say, oh, I can't change the event. But the exploration, when there is something resolved, and we might remember that situation or sequence of them very, very well. It doesn't mean to say that painful past situation was a lie. It doesn't mean to say that you and I are exaggerating what happened. We might be able to remember extremely well, extremely clearly, these events of of life. But in the remembrance, it feels very painful. In the remembrance, one feels hurt, disappointed, wounded, uh, let down, misunderstood, Rejected. One feels that in the looking back upon uh, that. And therefore, in some way or other, there is a carrying of the past, it is giving it enough weight that those difficult memories and situations which carry, so to speak, to the present, and the view, remember the first thing in the Eightfold Path is important, Important. The view that we have is such that it's still impacting, it still hurts. We still feel disappointed, we still feel a failure, we still feel let down, or whatever it might be. The finding of the fresh view, what is a way to look at the past in which there's no denial, not saying, oh, it's just a dream, it's an illusion, it's all Maya, there's only the now. I'm not using this spiritual nonsense. But more importantly, what is a view that one can look at one's past, one's history or aspects of it, 
clear, honest, no suffering. Not suffering over it anymore. Just not. And that fresh view, this is the important bit, that fresh view, it might be a little bit vulnerable, the old view might come in very quickly, it wants to come back, so to speak, but the fresh view, which is viewing clearly, wisely, and it's no longer a problem, as that view develops, the old is let go of. And the importance of that is that we sometimes tell ourselves, it's one of the problems with the letting go, oh, I should let go. It's been hurtful, I've been neglected, this person gave me a hard time, this person had a pathological mind state, this person was... Da, 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 da. That view, sometimes oh, we say, oh, I have to let go of him, her, this or that. It may not be possible. It may be asking too much just to let go of. It might, it might require a completely fresh view and in the fresh view that comes, the letting go takes place. Not just trying to persuade ourselves that oh, I should be able to let go. This let go word is like a mantra it is. It, 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 kind of ends up being used as some kind of answer to all one's prayers and it's thrown around in these meditation halls left, right and centre I should let go I need to let go I must let go yawn, yawn in the exploration of the relationship to uh, letting go. We listened this morning in the instructions taking place this morning in the 16 steps or stages uh, of this mindfulness of breathing uh, discourse. The last one is, is the reference to uh, letting go. One might think it uh, should be earlier somewhere. You know, we start we really start to let go, we can then get into our meditations more easily, into our mindfulness, and to more happiness, and observe the states of mind, etc. But there's a reason for the, uh, I have to think of it now, the reason for the uh, 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 let, 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 letting go. But just before coming uh, uh, to that, coming to the present just for the moment, uh, for uh, a few moments or two, In the relationship to the present, that means the unfolding, changing, dynamic, seen through the senses. This is what we call the present here. The unfolding, changing, dynamic. It takes some clarity in looking at the immediacy of life, sometimes to understand, my goodness me, why do I have to be so concerned with letting go when it's obviously going on all the time anyway. Why am I making such a fuss about it? I didn't have to say, 
oh, I think I'll let go of the morning. Or I think I'll, I think I'll let go of this um, meal or this moment or, or whatever it might be. As though you and I have some wonderful powers of control to hold and to keep. The clinging is the confirmation of being out of touch. There's no better confirmation in a way, there might be, but I can't think of it, there's no better confirmation of being out of touch when we're clinging. And the clinging contributes to the problem, the I and my and its identity with, which we call it. And in the English language, I, I, the identity, id, for the Freudians amongst you. And then at the end, entity. So identity is, to break the word up, is the I making an entity of something, exaggerating its importance, holding to it. It could be called me. It could be called the mind state. It could be called making a thing of it. It could be called, oh, the identity with the nation state. It could be making an entity of being male, or being female, or being young, or being old, or being handsome, or being less than handsome, being beautiful, or less than beautiful, or whatever it might Anything can be made an entity of. It's putting in thought, feelings, views and opinions and building up, holding on to, and we can't move on. Made an entity, an, an identity out of it. There. If you're not quite sure what I mean, you probably had at some point in your uh, life relationship. It could be the, the relationship with the lover. It could be the relationship with the family member. It could be a relationship with the close friend. And something was built up and built up around him, her, this or, or that. Life is going on and we're not going on moving with the rhythms of it because we made an entity out of a dynamic, out of a situation and we're still living in the past. This is Life doesn't care two hoots about our living in the past. Doesn't care a damn. It just carries on. And we want to just go on living in the past, more or less, you might say, gosh, Life says, good luck. Life is moving on. And we are still indulging in yesterday and yesteryear and parents and kids and old things of life. And there. And life is just moving on. And if we don't move with it, gosh, we can't be in touch. Because we're holding to what was. And when you get older, 
one has to be extra careful sometimes some of us have to be a little bit more mindful surprise surprise a little bit more mindful we can look at the past I catch myself uh, uh, doing it and one can get nostalgia for the past I remember when and say, oh I remember when the Thai monastery in uh, Budgaya was outside the village <laughs> you had to walk outside the village to get because there were fields and some of the people are nodding their heads and saying, yeah, I remember where you're getting older too and I remember where <laughs> uh, etc and I remember when the kids just walked to school five years old six years old seven years old and they walked home and little boys and girls they walked home and they held hands and now the parents are taking their kids to school because they're afraid and have concerns for their safety etc I remember when I remember when, when we didn't have internet when we used to be able to talk to each other without interruption <laughs> You can, you can, you know, I can go on and on here. I'm, you know, I'm over seventy, <laughs> etc. Life has moved on. We've got to live. We've got to breathe. We've got to feel it through, and, and not hold to the old. Life is life is that movement of time. It's extraordinary in its movement and in its expression. And similarly, too, in our relationship, there it's rather uh, similar with regard to the, uh, the future uh, as, as well. There is some thought about the future. We have a right, we're human, to have some thought about the future. That the future emerges there. But in the relationship to the future, it's not only what are we thinking about, but what is the feeling, intention, mode of the being in relationship to the future? And to be extremely vigilant if the relationship to the future is coloured by a tendency towards hope and fear. If it's coloured by a tendency towards hope and fear. With the hope the vulnerability with the hope, even though it generates a nice feeling, oh, I hope to, I hope this will happen, I hope the earth will be okay, I hope the next generation will survive, or whatever. The hope and the building up of hope has the shadow in it of disappointment. Where there's hope and projection, the vulnerability is that hope crashes and one ends up in disappointment. And the part that I, I don't think there is a Pali word for hope in the Buddhist language. And there is a, a word which I forget, and it's there's a certain precision in it, and the tone when you and I give some attention to the future, which we need to do. The tone of it is, 
I wish this will happen, but it may not. That I call intelligence. I wish this will happen, but it may not. Hope and fear, so, uh, there. that mode, the coming out of the inner life, that movement I inside, lands on the thought or the view with regard to tomorrow, next week, or whatever. And therefore we are not into, so to speak, letting go of our relationship to the future. We couldn't do anything, could we? That's what they have the timetable for, and, uh, and the planning and the organising. We, 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 we do organise, we do plan, etc. But it's to have enough clarity and understanding, in this case with future, is, the, is there some distortion in the perception of the future and particularly is it precise and accurate the way we're looking is it skillful and especially is there infecting it with hope and fear and therefore the letting go is not renouncing or rejecting the, the future as such but the recognition is of the finding ways to respond wisely, mindfully, lovingly, supportively, uh, being clear about that, and clear there's no guarantee of a goal or a fruit or an outcome. And it's our challenge in life just to find that relationship in which in the theme of the talk with you today is to really recognize and know what in life is worth letting go of and it doesn't apply to everything in the exploration here of, of uh, the letting go Sometimes, of course, there is the relief in the letting go. Some, there can be a situation, some of you have been in uh, relationships, are in relationships, thinking about relationships, might be in a relationship today, and then tomorrow you might not be, you know, full of these uncertainties which take place. And in the dynamic, taking a, a relationship for example uh, there, two people or more, could be a community as well here, events occur and there is some anguish and frustration and hurt and difficulty. And sometimes in this, one person's she or he, whatever the circumstance, has said to her himself or to the other, I need to step out of this relationship. Whatever it might be about. Could be, it could be work, could be 
personal, could be activity, could be anything at all. I need to step out of this. I need to, to change. For the person who is on the, if it's a person, on the receiving end, she or he feels, could feel quite powerless. I didn't want this change to happen. This change has come about. You've, you've sacked me, you've fired me, you don't want me in this job anymore, you don't want me in this relationship anymore, you don't want to see me anymore, or whatever. And quite often, the one who is on the receiving end, who feels, understandably, I have been let go of. In many, many ways, I have been let go of. And that person you know, really can feel hurt and anguish and disappointed and didn't have a chance to have a voice in all, all of this. It could seem like, therefore, the power lies in the boss. The power lies in that, in the one who makes the decision to let go of the other. The power lie, uh, uh, lies somewhere else and I didn't have a choice in all of this. It happens, and it happens very regularly, that the one who let go of has doubts. Has doubts about that letting go. And the doubts then arise, and the one who let go of the other finds for some people I hear it regularly enough he or she can't let go of their doubts did I do why did I do this I'm so stupid I'm not going to find another person like this this person was really wonderful etc etc and the one who's doing the letting go finds it more difficult than the one who was on the receiving end of it it happens regularly uh, there. And then, if the one who is on the receiving end uh, uh, of it, if she or he is um, really angry, fighting, you didn't give me a choice, you rejected me, I don't know, and angry, fighting and angry and negative and blaming and attacking back or, or, uh, and want some kind of revenge the one who let go of this person will say oh thank God for that <laughs> I was right look at this anger look at this pathology look at this reaction she or he is showing to me God thank God I'm out of it etc a few of us know this one but supposing you, you let go uh, there, and the person that you've let go of, she or he, isn't fighting you. Is looking at herself or himself, and is expressing some regret at mistakes, let us say. This person is showing some acceptance and some love and some kindness to the, to the other. 
and, and respecting the person's right to let go and move on, etc. And there's lots of empathy and warmth coming out of the person who's on the receiving end. This other person's going to be, have a nightmare. <laughs> and they're really going to think, oh my God, what have I done? She's so wonderful, or he's so, he's so charming, he's so caring. Now what have I done? Etc. So there's no assurance in the communication around letting go whether we're on the receiving end or whether we are initiating it or whether there's the two people uh, uh, together or, or in other circumstances as well. Just a small reminder here in the dynamics of human relationships all these dynamics takes, uh, which uh, takes place but perhaps there are some things in life where letting go is not appropriate. Really not appropriate. It's not about letting go. Letting go is in specific situations, problematic issues and looking at things and moving on from things and all, a few of those pointers I just gave to you this afternoon. But there are times when letting go is not only not appropriate, not appropriate, but also it's, um, it's unskillful, it's unwise. You know, uh, you, one of you was speaking to me uh, during this retreat about this. You can, sometimes you have an important experience, whatever that might be about. And you have a genuine sense in that experience that there's something deep and significant for you. And then you perhaps, in this case as an example, you go and see a teacher. And then uh, 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 the teacher, because sometimes he or she simply either hasn't had the experience or doesn't understand its significance, or has nothing to say about it because it's out of their consciousness, so to speak. So what does the teacher say? Oh, it's just another experience. Just one more thing to let go of. And oh, yeah. <laughs> and then one goes out after one's ten minutes or two minutes interview, oh, yeah, it's just another experience, just one more thing to let go of, everything's to be let go uh, of. It's a terrible disservice to experience. It's a terrible thing to say to a person, oh, it's just one more experience to let go of. Really, uh, a real serious error of judgment and viewpoint. There are experiences which take place, spiritual, emotional, secular, whatever, genuinely are important. We don't want to let them go. Sometimes they're in the field of that experience. Rather than an attitude of letting go, the attitude is much more letting it be. Not letting it be just to let it be, but to respond and see, are there any insights here? What is this informing me of? What can I realise in this particular experience? Spiritual or religious or secular, whatever it might, it might be. And we don't want to always be 
oh it's just coming it's just going to go because out of those experiences and the understanding that understanding can go deep inside the being and much wisdom and support for the daily life and then in its own natural way that experience which arose and presented itself uh, there will fade and pass and we can move on and or we may bring that experience that spiritual, mystical, sacred experience or, what, or any other kind and remember because sometimes it's after the event we get a fresh perspective again and we get some more insight out of it and more understanding uh, uh, out of it And therefore the letting go is not, so to speak, you and me doing the letting go or, or just saying it's just another experience but we're being receptive, we're learning from it and in its own way it lets us go, so to speak. In its own way we move on from it. Uh, there. There are experiences as well in which in the touch upon us and in the uh, impact uh, uh, of it it may be very <coughs> quiet inside the being there the view may arise oh um, quite a common one nothing is happening so before it was oh gosh there's so much going on in my meditations it's so difficult so many ups and downs going on so many thoughts taking place and but now nothing is happening and when the view <laughs> arises or comes up oh nothing is happening nothing is going on of course there would be a reaction to that and in the reaction to that we'll try and do something to make something happen so something's going on uh, there and one starts having nostalgia for all the miserable experience one had for the first five days because nothing is happening be grateful in the nothing is happening there while just quietly checking in with the mode of being the quiet relaxation sometimes in the nothing is happening don't be concerned please with trying to let it go nothing is happening oh it's obvious I've got to really do something so something is happening it could be that in the depths of the being when just nothing is happening which includes no interest in the breath no interest in meditation no interest in the day or whatever and just nothing is happening it's just the rhythm but nothing is happening it could be that there is far more happening than what one sees but it's happening outside of that small field of consciousness it's happening but we can't pick it up and if we're quietly patient with the nothing is happening we're really watching the view arising which says I am stuck this isn't going anywhere which it isn't thank God and it's just the way that it is if we're quietly patient not putting any pressure 
learning to be with nothing is happening with no guarantee it might be that something begins to shine through this realm called nothing is happening it won't last that nothing is happening something will start to move in the being something will reveal itself from outside of ourselves and open up something and therefore that um, condition nothing is happening actually has some has um, uh, is to use a rather poetic term is pregnant with potential how about that it's pregnant with potential and we're interested in the actualization of this potential so let's explore the value the benefits of letting go let's be as clear as possible about the limits when it doesn't seem appropriate and that understanding there will genuinely contribute to uh, wisdom and to uh, a liberated way of being let's have a quiet minute shall we beings explore <coughs> letting go may all beings find the wisdom with regard to what reveals itself may all beings live with love and liberation <coughs> thank you for uh, lending an ear